Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Today, I'm continuing the dynamic woman in tech conversation with Valerie Osinski. She is going to share her phenomenal story with you. And I know my audience, all of you are going to enjoy it. She has so many gems to talk because we had a great conversation before she got on here today. So Valerie, would you please share your background, your journey on getting into your first position? Awesome. Well, thank you for having me today. I'm super excited. Um, yes, I'm Valerie Ersinski, and I am today the CEO of RevTech 360, and we are a Salesforce partner focusing on implementing MuleSoft and Salesforce products. Um, I grew up in um, the south end of Columbus, Ohio. And from very, very, very humble beginnings and um, didn't have a lot, uh, worked hard. Our family worked really hard. And um, I was the oldest of six children. And when I was growing up, since we didn't have a lot, I always had a goal to go to college and no one else before me had gone to college. So I worked really, really hard to go to college, um, and I ended up uh, applying and getting into the Ohio State University, which was, you know, a big deal, and I was really excited to get in there. Um, However, since I was the first one who went to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, And I, you know, I'm 17 years old, I get into Ohio State, it's a dream, and then it was like, now what, right? Um, and I kind of looked around back then, um, looked around at different careers and decided that I would go into this new field called computer science. And, um, the main reason was because I was looking around and saying like, well, it looks like there's these computer things are gaining, uh, popularity. A lot of people are getting them. Um, and this was back in the eighties. So it was quite some time ago. And um, so I decided that I'd go that way. And and so I started to talk to people about it. Um, And what I noticed too is um, I noticed that there's a lot of boys who were going into computer science. And so I decided, well, shoot, I'm 17. I'm good at math and science. It looks like this is the way to go. And maybe I'll meet a boy, right? Which is (laughs) kind of crazy. Um, But I went in, I did really well. Um, I enjoyed it. It was... um, I said it was sort of a new thing. And uh, once I got out, and when I got out, it was the recession. It was in the 80s. It was a recession. And a lot of my friends who had gone to college weren't finding jobs. And I was super fortunate because I got uh, right uh, my senior year, I actually got three different job offers for three different paths, one to sell computer software, one to go into just the classical development path, and um, another one to go into insurance, which wasn't had nothing to do with, with really um, what I had gone to school to do. Um, and I decided to go the path of kind of the traditional, um, and I went and chose a, p- a position at um, a company called Owens Corning. And Owens Corning at the time had a great training program, and they brought in like 16 of us um, from out of colleges, uh, different colleges around the area, and put us through a pretty intense training 
where we went um, into different business units and learned a lot. I ended up staying there 13 years. It was really awesome. Um, the first seven or eight, I was in um, computer science, right? I was in like development and I was doing some really cool projects from like automating the plant systems of the roofing plants. And I traveled all around the country um, and did things like that. And ultimately then they promoted me into a sales position, which completely outside of IT, right? So I go into sales and I enjoyed that um, and moved to a, those, one of my first moves, relocations. I moved to Atlanta and was in sales down in Atlanta. Learned a ton, right, about being in, um, you know, how technology could apply to a sales position. And we at the time were using a, um, a CRM system where I had to enter all my, you know, my information in about the calls I was making. But anyway, I progressed through that. Um, and I know you want to know how I got to where I am. I've got a lot of experience. So I'm going to kind of jump forward. I left Owens Corning after 13 years and got into um, a company called Aon a Consulting, where I was asked to run sales and marketing. So again, I'm super far away from tech at this point, right? So I've gone sales. I'm going up through management. Now I'm over here doing a bigger sales and marketing job. And then was promoted into running the entire operations of one of the divisions, again, far from technology in a way, although when you run a business, there's always technology. So I was, I had it under my portfolio, if you will, but I wasn't in the technology field. And then I jumped over and um, went in um, into a company where I was running professional services in a technology company. And so now I'm sort of back into tech, but a little peripheral to it. And then I went into another one like that, where I was head of professional services in a tech company. And then I got promoted into a president of an operating division, which I had never done, right? So here I am running, it was about a $25 million business. So not huge, but but pretty intimidating at the time, right? I'd not really done it. So I ended up going into this president role and so I had responsibility for everything, right? Um, product, um, finance, sales, marketing, operations, everything. Um, and did that for quite a bit. At this time, I'm at a company called First Advantage. And um, so I was there for a little bit in that role. And then um, the head of the company asked me to take on a larger role and run a very large business unit. Which again, I'm you know, I'm scared to death, right? I went from I was already at twenty five million dollars. Now this is moving me up to a two hundred and fifty million dollar business unit, and about um, I think about thirty five hundred employees globally. So talk about being a little intimidated, but you know, I thought, okay, I can do this, right? And I had some good mentors who told me I could do it. So I go into that and and um, did quite well, right? We grew the company, grew the profitability. Um, my kids were fairly young at the time. We'll get back to that in a second. Yep. Balancing career and kids, because that's something I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I moved through that. And then it, uh, one day, the CEO came to me and said, Valerie, I'd like to move you into the CTO position, or it was actually global CIO of the company. And I think at this point, I had been out of tech per se for like, 15 years, right? 
And I said, I laughed and I said, are you crazy? No way. There's no way I'm doing this. But um, I said, I, I, I'm too, you know, I haven't been in it for a long time. He came back to me three times. And on the third time I said, okay, I'll do it. Right? So I moved from running a $250 million business unit into running IT for a global company. Wow. Um, had no idea, Sly, what I was doing. I, I, everything had changed, right? So I would sit in meetings and I didn't know some of the buzzwords anymore. I, I'm all of a sudden like talking about infrastructure and cloud and security and development methodology and things that I hadn't touched in years. And I quickly had to reach out to my network and have them teach me, reteach me kind of current technology. Um, and so talk about being very intimidating. And on top of that, I was always, I should say always, almost always the only female in any situation. So here I was in a role that I internally felt like, why am I here? I'm not qualified to do this. And then externally, I had the pressure of being one of the only females in a global CIO role. Um, you know, it's, it was a moment in my life where I had to power through it. Um, lean on people, a lot of people. And there are so many people I, you know, thank regularly for helping get me through. But over time, uh, you know, I kind of caught myself back up and I looked around and thought, well, shoot, I know what I'm doing. I can do this, right? And um, so, you know, at that point, I came, I went out of running, I was in IT, ran businesses back into IT and really high level roles. And I really just started to enjoy it. And um, then I moved from that role into um, another CTO role for a nonprofit because I wanted to kind of go into a give back to some degree, although the nonprofit, it was Project Lead the Way, was run like a business. So it felt comfortable to me. Um, but they had a real big issue in that their technology was way behind. And I had a passion. It was um, helping STEM, STEM education. So it was one of my passions, which we'll get back to in a minute. I had the opportunity to take my leadership in um, just business leadership, my leadership in IT, and go apply it to a passion area. And I got the opportunity to refresh the student experience and um, really show uh, showcase what technology could do to help a business. And at that point, I was pretty, we were all in with Salesforce. So this was one of my first big um, indoctrinations into the Salesforce ecosystem. And so it was super fun. And it, it culminated with a complete refresh. And um, Salesforce um, actually uh, took, let us be on stage at Dreamforce to talk about what we did, which was really cool. And I never thought that would happen. And it wasn't my goal. My goal was to make a difference in the students' lives through technology and teachers' lives. And um, ultimately, we did that and got some recognition for what we did. Um, and then that sort of took me on a path toward that Salesforce ecosystem, right? And I, I left there. I did some consulting on my own. I, I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to end my career and have you know, hang my shingle up and, and do my own thing. 
And I did that for about a year, but then I was tapped on the shoulder to join a Salesforce uh, practice called Lev, and they needed someone to help them scale and uh, grow the company. And, and so I, I decided to join that because I loved the CEO was just awesome. The team was awesome. And I did that. So I moved into a role of back sort of out of tech. I was yeah. back into a COO role okay. and I ran in probably 90% of the company. When I joined, we were 20 million. Uh, we sold a year later, we were at 43 million. And uh, I stayed about another year uh, and three months. And when I left, we were about 56 million. So it was a you know, wow. decent size, but a, a high growth. Um, and then I joined where I'm at, right? The CEO of RevTech. 360, and we are a Salesforce partner, as I mentioned, focused on MuleSoft. Um, in addition, I took a couple board spots. So long, because I got 35 years, long yeah. way to get me, but that's how I got to where I am, right? No, that was a phenomenal story. And um, it's just, I love your ability to change when you needed to, right? You didn't say like, you know what, I went to school for Hewitt of Science, so I'm going to stick to coding. Where I could see mm-hmm. like throughout your career, you realize like maybe I need to try something different, you know, you yeah. know, or opportunity. It seemed like you were intentional and opportunistic, right? Mm-hmm. So when an opportunity so, presented you, like you like when you talked about going from 15 years being removed from tech, that's a long time because three years removed from tech mm-hmm. is like you become a dinosaur, <laughs> right? So, but how comfortable or it would seem how comfortable you were with being uncomfortable. Right. And then also yeah. leaning on the network and the team that you provided to kind of get you up to speed, because you probably realize that you didn't need to be the expert because the team that you're surrounded around and your um, network were experts. So if you need to bring someone in, right. um, but that shows uh, the ability to be a leader, the, be- the ability to scale mm-hmm. um, and also the ability to, again, stay calm, because most people I would assume mm-hmm. would be like, you know what, let me talk myself out of that. I'm good right here. I don't really want to relearn it, right? Um, so I think you dropped, you shared a lot of gems that um, that you know I think is Im- impactful. Like I'm starting to learn in my my career, right? You know, I switched out when I started school. I went to school at the University of Buffalo, um, and I ended up doing business and then you know IT and marketing. And then when I got out my mm-hmm. first job, it was a network engineering job. Found out that I didn't yeah. like you know, working by myself and as a network engineer. So I ended up switching to tech support. So that was like a, mm-hmm. a you know, um, a step back. But I also realized knew it was a good place that I was going into because it was a pre-sales tech support where you can talk architect and build um, solutions. And luckily the company I worked for, um, you know, Ingram Micro at the time um, had access as a distributor. They sell everything. So you get to find out what you like. So I was like a kid in the candy shop, right? And um, I did some time <laughs> in sales because I realized, Mm-hmm. All right, I'm technical, but how do I make the phone ring? How do I find a customer? How do I get comfortable mm-hmm. at understanding business requirements or the sales strategy, working with the tech team? And then, you know, I got to learn a little bit about public sector, a little bit about private sector, um, healthcare, mm-hmm. you know. So then I, I switched technologies, went from virtualization, um, data center, like hardware, mm-hmm. uh, to security, to cloud. And now I'm switching into like data and AI, which, you know, a jack of all Mm -hmm. trades, but you get to see trends before they happen and Mm -hmm. how to use some of that leverage, um, some of that information in the past. But then now I'm going into more of a management role eventually. Right. So 
that experience helps me now. So I can connect a little bit more with my team and there's different skill sets. But I like that you, you know, mm-hmm. one thing you shared is just, I think your willingness to be uncomfortable um, and the willingness to take time, time because 35 years is a long time and some people get comfortable and stagnant, right? In one area, right? And that's how mm-hmm. they don't grow, but it seemed like you enjoy growing. Um, so with yeah. that being said, it kind of nicely gets into the next question. And what would you told yourself earlier in your career? I think I would have told myself way younger to not be afraid, right? To do, you can do more than you think you can do. And I learned that, right? And I, I got scared a lot, but I did it anyway. But I wish I would have been able to tell myself, you got this, right? You can do it. And you know, it's okay to take a chance. And, you know, if you fail, just learn from it. But odds are you're not going to fail. Just keep get grit and determination, keep going. Um, and, you know, I unfortunately um, got to the place where um, I was catapulted into that. Um, and about six and a half years ago, um, I had a tragedy hit. My husband um, passed away um, literally in my arms. It was wow. it was a jolting uh, a jolting thing, right? As you can imagine. But I had a moment. I had one of those moments where I can wallow in self pity and like, oh my gosh, what has happened to me? Or I can pick myself up and move forward. And I chose the second, right? And I really embraced the carpe diem, which is, you know, seize the day, seize the moment. Um, and it was, um, I, there was, I, I had to tell you this story slide because I was at an event in Chicago. I'm actually in Chicago right now at a, getting ready for a board meeting, but I was in Chicago um, years ago was shortly after my husband passed. And it was a CIO by invitation only event. And, um, and it was put on by Dell. Yeah. And so I walk into this room and there's probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred people in the room. And I looked around and like, unfortunately, most times when I walked into a room, I was the only female in this room. And I had learned to not be as intimidated, right, by that. But I will tell you honestly, and a lot of times I would go in those situations and I'd maybe talk to people at my table and I'd leave because I just, I didn't venture out as much, you know. But after my husband passed, I thought, you know what, I just got, seize the moment, right? So I'm in this situation, all these people, Michael Dell's up on stage and he's speaking. He wasn't too far. He was actually at a little table, not far. It's a pretty small venue. After the venue um, was over, I picked up my stuff and I was going to leave like I always do. Right. And I stopped. I said, no, I'm not doing it this time. And I walked right up to the front of the room and Michael Dell. And I don't know if you Michael Dell's very tall and I'm only about five foot six. I don't know. He's tall. And I go right up to him and I look up at him and um, and he because he had he knew here's the benefit of being the only female he knew who was in the room and he knew who I was because it's not hard to pick me out of a crowd, right? When you're the only girl. Um, But so he knew a little bit about me. He had read my bio, but I went right up to him and I said, I said, you know, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Valerie. And, And we had a little conversation. I said, you know, we need 
there's something you need to do, Michael. Or this is, well, what's that, Valerie? Did you notice the, the dynamic of the room or the demographic of the room? And he's like, puts his head down. Yeah. But you, you, Michael Dale, need to do something about this. You can do something about it. And then you need to get more women involved in technology. You need to empower others. And you, you need to spread this. You need, you need to fix this. And whatever I can do to help, I'll help. And, and he was like, awesome. And he hooked me up with some of his people. And we had some good conversations. But I'll tell you, so I walked away from that like, yes. I got to talk to Michael Dell and I told him, you know, maybe we need to work on this together. I would have never done that before. Slim. So it, that was, if I could have told my younger self, I probably passed up, I don't know, dozens and dozens of those opportunities in the past. I wish I would have taken advantage of them way before that moment. That's beautiful. And I, I think that is something that though each time you do it, you don't realize you, you the opportunities or the doors you could have opened, right? With mm-hmm. that. Um, and sometimes it's so easy to get stuck on your comfort level, right? Um, mm-hmm. Especially for me, most people think, you know, I'm extroverted, but when it comes to those type of situations, I'm kind of clam up. And it, it took me a mm-hmm. bit to to realize that these people are just human. And as long as you have something mm-hmm. positive to say, or just, they're not, they used to people not talking to them because of their status. Mm-hmm. And then, and when you can get out that, they kind of, they appreciate it. So, um, right. so I, I commend you for that because it's been times that earlier in my career, I can even give you an example here at Microsoft. I reached out to the VP of a partner services, Tyler Bryson. Mm-hmm. I was five days in a row saying, you know, I think he just got the role, maybe a month in. Um, he just got the role. I said, I'm glad, thanks for your leadership. I'm excited to work underneath you. And I would love to get 15 minutes on your calendar just to understand what you have planned for the organization. You know, and so many people were this nervous that, like, how did you say you only been here for a couple of months? I'm like, <laughs> well, this is even better for me. I get to learn his personality. And, you know, he gave me the 15 minutes because I'm like, I don't got 30 minutes of conversation to talk to him. I just want to get to know him. What does he got planned? Share him what I want to do. And then I'm going to get off. And I end up giving him back, like, three minutes, right? Because I kept straight to my word, kept it short and concise. But now every time I get on the phone, if I ask a question, hey, Sly, how you doing? Like we got a relationship and um, and end up, um, this transpired and I ended up doing a diversity event um, for the women in tech group because I'm an ally on the board. And we ended up doing like getting what you worth, how to negotiate. So I got him, Deb Cup, one of the, the VPs, his boss on there, Rodney Clark, another VP, CVP. Um, and then, you know, I got to host it because I created it. And, you know, people came up to me like, how were you so calm? How are you so cool? Like, it's just an opportunity, right? You know, um, I realized it, I prepared, like, it took six months to prepare for this, right? It, it shouldn't have took that long. Mm-hmm. But when you you know, as being a CEO, you got you got your publicist, you got your, your, your personal assistant. Just to get on your calendar, to get three high-level VPs on a calendar at the same time mm-hmm. is hard. So I respected um, working with their your publicist, their um, personal assistants, because, it was, it took a whole community. And also I didn't do it by myself. I brought the whole women in tech group in there and we collectively put on a great event. Right. But um, usually I would never done that. Cause I would have said, you know, like, you know, a lot of people on team, like, especially just go after one. I'm like, wouldn't it be right. cool to get all three of them on the phone? Like, you, you know, they're completely diverse, right? You know, you got Deb Cup, who's a woman who runs the whole org. Mm-hmm. Then you got Tyler Bryson, Rodney Clark, right? So it's like, it was a, a multitude of perspectives that you can get. And when would you get that at one time? 
you know, usually you could get one powerhouse hitter, but you're not all three, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I definitely can relate to that because that has opened up new doors that I didn't even know that were there. Um, and gave me opportunities where leadership or management, they come out to me cause they can see I can handle pressure in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And earlier in my career, I never did that. I was kind of stayed to myself. I knew I was smart. I could figure mm-hmm. it out on my own, not realizing to leverage the people around me or just, you know, take that initiative. So taking initiative is, um, awesome. is something that I think is critical if you want to get to the places you want to go. And I also realized when you deal with death or you deal with rough upbringings, um, I know tomorrow isn't promised. You know, I pray for it is right. So why not? What am I doing today? Uh, that's one thing I've been trying to work on is like, stop worrying about the the the, the the future, worrying about what happened in the past. What am I doing today? If I could stay here and ease the anxiety, it helps me get to where I need to be. Um, and I think that is what you kind of um, you kind of express. So um, I had another question. We're gonna. Um, you talked about being a mom, a parent, mm-hmm. and technology. So this is something that's near and dear because I became a parent uh, about three years ago, um, and then I had my mm-hmm. second son. So I'm still pretty new into the game. Uh, being a parent, and I'm still an individual contributor, at least from my day job, not including, you know, um, doing a podcast and those things. And spending time, like, it's like a balancing stick. You want stuff you want to achieve, but you got time that you will never get back. Like, my daughter will never be 10 months again. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I got her, like, she's three. She looks completely different, feels different. So, like, with my son, I made sure to maximize, um, you know, the parental leave, right? So, question for you, then, is, how do you do that? Because when you said you, you're doing it, it seemed like you was ascending into your leadership career of being a people manager. And as you go through those ranks, I'm assuming the requirements, the stress, the workload triples, right? Even though you have a team might help you on the way. Um, how did that impact you as a mom? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was tough, right? Um, so my girls, I have two girls. They are now grown, but uh, they're 18 months apart. So it, in some ways, it felt like I had twins a lot of times so they, when they were little. And when they were young um, is when I was really trying to advance my career. So there were so many times where I had to make choices and I felt guilty about it. You know, so there'd be after work things or travel, extended travel. Um, and sometimes I just had to say no, because I would really look inside and say, what is the most important thing to me? Is it, is it grow, getting a bigger job and more money or is it my kids and my husband? And um, most of the time, I would try to balance and be there for my kids and my husband. And um, but there, there are times I feel like it did, you know, hold me back where all the guys would be able to go out. They didn't care. Uh, they didn't. I wanted to get home to put my kids to bed, right? Because they didn't get to see mommy, right? And I wanted to see them, and they wanted to see me. Um, but I just stay. I stayed pretty strong, and I thought, you know, when I'm at work. I am going to give a hundred percent and plus right from the time I walk in the door to the time I leave. But when I leave, I want to be for my kid. I want to be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I can't say, I don't think it held me back. I think in my head, I thought it was holding me back. Right. I thought, Oh, I'm not going to get this or that. Um, but I, you know, ultimately when I look back at my career, and where I'm at, I and mean, I don't think it held me back. It was in my own head. 
So uh, my advice on that to everybody is just like you said, Sly, you can't get that time back ever with your kids and with your husband. And in my case, right, I don't want to cry here, but I lost my husband um, unexpectedly. And, um, you know, so like you said, there's, you never know, you never know. And putting them as priority is important and it is a balance and it does cause some internal stress. And honestly, if you're at a company and they don't support a work-life balance, go find one that does, because you know what? They're all out there. There's a lot of companies that, that will provide you and give you opportunities to have balance. I mean, you have to work hard when you're working, but it's, equally important to be engaged when you're done with work with your family. And that's, that's my advice. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie, especially coming up, you know, in the eighties and the nineties and early two thousands, it's a different, we're in a different place. Thank goodness today, 2022, than we were back when my kids were little. Um, But um, you know, that's my advice. And that's um, first of all, Thanks for being so candid, because I know it got to be tough just mm-hmm. looking back at the time, especially mm-hmm. losing a loved one. I can't ever imagine the feeling mm-hmm. that is losing my wife. Um, that would be, yeah. be hard to move on, but I, I know I would have to, right? You know, vice versa mm-hmm. for her. I know she would have to, too, right? So um, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. Um, and um, yeah, I think I just say, like, when I had my daughter, I worked at a startup. And at a startup, you know, I was a director, so I finally got into that mm-hmm. management role. But uh, I realized I picked it at the wrong time. Just had my daughter, just moved to Brooklyn, you know, mm-hmm. so new scenery. My wife, small, small town, different adjustment. Her family is a little bit further. My family is closer, trying to deal with that dynamic. And that was hard, man. And it, like five months, you know, mm-hmm. of just like sacrifices or things I had to work on. So I like, you know what? I love it. The company is cool, but it's not right for me right now. Right. So, you know, I like, let me go back to a bigger company where I can get that flexibility, that time to work on, right? So just sometimes you got to know where you want, where you are, what are you willing to sacrifice? You know, some people are like, man, that company is doing great right now, right? Uh, you probably be close to getting retiring, right? But then I would have missed so many things that I experienced along those three years right now, because um, I was working like 140 hours, 110 hours mm-hmm. easily a week, you know? So um, to me, it wasn't sustainable and I didn't want to sustain it, right? So uh, I think that was something that you got to you got to define what you want, right? In the different times in life, if you're 19, I say go for it, right? Because if I was 19 right. and I had that grind, I've been there every day. I probably had a knapsack, you know, so um, sleeping there, you know. But once I had my daughter, it changed. When I got my son now, it changed. Mm-hmm. You know, certain things like travel is different now. I travel for work a lot. Um, it's I don't want to go as long as I used to, you know. So or mm-hmm. unless I'm bringing the family with me, it's it's, it's pretty cool. But right. that was great. Um, this leads right into your passion, what is it? And would you mind sharing it? Well, my personal passion, and I kind of touched on it a second ago in a couple of ways, is really to inspire um, women in particular, because I am one, right, to get into tech, into the tech world. Um, Far too few enter into the tech world. And so I had the opportunity, as I mentioned, you know, when I went to Project Lead the Way to be a role model to some degree in STEM education as a female CTO, and then also my conversation with Michael Dell, and just everything I do, I, I just, and I have two daughters, right? And we, you and I, Sly, talked about your daughter, right? Which is why you started this. 
And, you know, I just, I want to be a role model. I want to try to be the best role model I can. I want to show people, women, girls, that, you know, IT is not just about sitting behind your computer and coding all day. It can be if that's what you want to do and that's your personality, or it can be in a position where I am, where I'm more uh, out there, front and center, and uh, leading strategy and um, driving the direction of companies. Um, and so I just, you know, that's my passion, and I love doing it. And I want to, I try whenever I meet people, I try to encourage them, and especially young ones who haven't picked where they want to go to college or what they want to study. I always try to sell them on, you know, IT. Right. And tech and that it's a great, everything touches tech. No, that's great. And that's, for it, right? and I, I'm glad that you did that. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm glad when your publicist reached out and I did some research, I could tell that you're trying to make those inroads because you're, what you shared today is going to be empowering. How many times you get to get that, this type of, you know, um, organic, um, information from someone at your level right it's hard to have those conversations so that's one of the reasons why i started it yeah my daughter was one of the driving factors but it's also you get to a point in life where you no longer can ignore something right um like i know women the movement and power has been going on for years right for centuries right and i got to a point with my daughter i told myself i no longer can ignore this i can no longer be in a room where i see a lady's being put down but I'm not there to help her unless she wants that help. Or if I see her, she, her voice isn't there. And it's also to show those other men, other children, other boys, my mm-hmm. son, that you could be part of something that is uh, bigger than yourself. So, you know, it started for my daughter, but uh, now I'm understanding it's, it's bigger than that, you know, because I no longer can say no. And I wish like, I'm a, I, I try to interview someone else and they call me out. Like it took you to your daughter to see this. And I was like, no, I saw it before. You know, this was the reason for me to do something like I wasn't like I was a bad person before. I just didn't know how to show those emotions. Right. I didn't know how to make an impact. And I told, you know, just like I told the other lady, I was like, I'm glad I'm doing it now. I can't I can't tell you why I didn't do it in the past. You know, so and I know a lot of men do this when they get we when we get our daughters, we change. Right. When we should have probably been doing this before. Right. So um, I just want to be a part of that change or maybe my son. He don't got to wait that long. Right. So he can start his whole life knowing that um, this is something that is expected of him. Right. You know, to be a part of the team, be a part of the, the human race and, you know, be a part of this woman empowerment, because eventually it's going to be empowerment. It won't just be woman empowerment. You know, it's human empowerment. Right. So um, so I'm glad that you say that. So that's kind of, you know, I, I'm glad that I had my daughter first and I wanted a daughter. Right. So some people used to come up to me and ask me, did you want a daughter? And I was like, I wanted a healthy kid. So, yes. You, yes or no, man. I, like to me, it didn't matter who what I got, you know. So and uh, I'm a girl dad through and through. Right. So I'm glad I could definitely, um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. I love how you get, you're giving your time and the impact you're making. So um, can you give me uh, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but can you tell me about a time you felt as a female industry and and um, that you was going through something and you had to overcome it? Uh, would you share that? You kind of shared it earlier with the CIO, uh, me and Michael Dell. Is there any other situations where as a female, you realize it was like, you know, you had to, you know, you had to get over that obstacle. Um, what did you do to, to kind of get through that? Because I know the ladies that listen to it right now might be going through something right now and they might need your words mm-hmm. or the way that you went about overcoming the obstacle that was presented in front of you. 
Yeah, I mean, I did touch on a couple. I think the one thing I want to leave the audience with, and someone years ago told me this, and I didn't understand it, but it's, I'll just, I'll say it's lonely at the top. That's, that's the term, right, that I want to talk about. The higher you go in an organization, the less people inside of the company that you can really talk to. And as a female, I don't know, I'm not a guy, so I don't know, but it seems like guys are better at holding stuff in, right? But as a woman, I'm I'm expressive. That's what makes me a woman. I I like that about myself. Um, But the higher I have gone in my career, um, the less and less I can talk to people around me in the company because, you know, it's not appropriate to share some of your fears and your doubts and your insecurities with your people who report to you. If you have peers, you can kind of talk to them and your boss. But now as a CEO, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top, right? So I, there's nobody to talk to. Um, and I, I just think it's important for the audience to know that, but that doesn't mean you have to be alone. So that's where it's very important. And what I've had to do and get much better at as I move up in, in my career is to reach out to people that I trust, other professionals, other people that I can bond with, that I can talk to, that I can run ideas by in a safe environment. Um, and and so I'm, I'm doing it all the time. I'm doing it all the time right now. Um, I was in an event last weekend and met a beautiful little, uh, beautiful younger CEO woman um, who we just started having this conversation and she and I now are connected and I'm going to mentor her and I'm sure she'll teach me things as well because that's just what happens, right? When you, so you just need to find others that are, that you can trust and it's okay to say, Hey, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Please help me, right? I don't know how to build an infrastructure and cloud program. I don't know the best way to drive sales. I don't know the best way to handle this very difficult employee situation, right? It's okay to have those conversations with people. And I have to do it all the time. And that means I have to be vulnerable. And it's scary. But in the at the end of the day, it's been rewarding and I try really hard to be that person for others as well. Yeah. That's what I would leave them with. And that's, that's beautiful. And um, that vulnerability piece is critical. Um, He was reading a book at Microsoft and um, it taught, it was Brene Brown, Dare to Leave. And it talks Mm -hmm. about being vulnerable. And I realized that I put that armor up often. And like you said, I can close myself off pretty easily. Um, But again, you still want to talk like um, certain things I can't talk with my colleagues. Right. If I felt like I was slighted because maybe of my color, not that, you know, that's not something I'm going through, but it has happened in the past. Certain colleagues I can't share that Mm -hmm. with because, you know, they're going to feel some type of way about it. Right. So I had to find mentors who um, could relate or even when your individual contributor after you make a certain amount. You can't share that with everyone because if they're not making that amount, they can't relate. Or you might just outgrow certain people. Like I know sometimes the conversations I have now, they can't relate. So they don't know why I'm complaining. Like, Sly, you make a lot. So why are you complaining? You can't be upset. Look at what you have. I'm like, well, the things is not what is important is, you know, it's like what's going on mentally. Sometimes you want to strategize. Sometimes you want to um, be able to make that, uh, you know, to be able to have someone to relate, to understand you, right? So, uh, yeah, finding, you know, peer groups, finding 
outlets, teams, groups, like even, you know, me doing this well in a podcast, I got to meet people, you know, to talk about where, where I wanted to go as a person. I got to meet people like yourself who's already been doing some trails blazing, right? Then I also have like mastermind meetups with my friends where we could talk about being dads and what things that we overcome and, and um, you know, being a little bit more emotional, right? You know, because sometimes when I grow up, the guy wasn't supposed to cry. The guy wasn't supposed to show emotion. And, you know, or the guy was supposed to leave. I was like, oh, like if my wife got a better idea to me, I put like to me, I'd be I'd be a stay at home dad tomorrow. She told me she got a million dollar idea. <laughs> I have no shame in my game, you know. So uh, it's all about, you know, being able to have those conversations and also and I think mental health you indirectly talked about. Right. You know, I had to get a therapist, you know, certain things growing up, how I grew up. You got to talk to someone else, you know, and it's OK to do that. Right. You know, first I, I didn't want to do it. Right. But luckily, you know, I went to Microsoft. They give you free therapist sessions like hold on let me try this out you know let's see how it goes and it was good to have someone you can have those conversations strategize because um you know we all need it you know we need someone to talk to and i can only imagine being a ceo a global company when we're coming as individual contributors employees we expect you to have the answer right we expect you to be strong and you know you know when you're a leader or you're the general or you um you know maybe Mm -hmm. the oldest you know growing up you know so you got to show that Mm -hmm. um that ability to lead and usually lead to use it in confidence i mean uh and by the confidence you portray but sometimes it's like when do you get a chance to who's whose shoulder do you lead on right um i see that in this in families friends and organizations Mm -hmm. right it's the person who's always the one who comes you come to for you know assistance when do they get a chance to breathe when they have those questions, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, just, I haven't seen that with my parents, right? You know, my parents, mom and dad are fen- phenomenal. Some days I know they get tired. I'm like, you know, when you want to talk, I go out, we go eat. And I just be, oh, listen, you know, be there for them. Cause I'm, they always there for me, right? So when do you turn it around? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you shared that. Um, I guess this goes perfectly into the next question. What can we do to help each other? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it touched on a little bit, mentor and coach. Mm-hmm. Um, support each other. You mentioned it earlier as males, right? Support females when you see their voices not being heard, which is so irritating. I'll just tell you as a female, when I say something and then no one pays attention five minutes later, my male counterparts said the same thing and they get all the like, oh, that's an awesome idea. And I'm like, hey, I just said it five minutes ago, but they didn't hear my voice, right? If you as a male see that, Give them, give your female counterpart the voice, get, let her voice be heard and acknowledge that. Right. Um, So men can help women. Women can help women just, you know, uh, support each. I just, it comes into support each other and be there. And when someone is vulnerable, let them feel safe and, and, and take them in and help, just help. Help That's that's great. I think that's something that um, needs to be talked about more, right? Matter race, creed, mm-hmm. sexual under- orientation. We all got injustices. So when the next person mm-hmm. is talking, just listen. There's no need to mm-hmm. to uh, share a story to try to connect. Like, I don't try to have a story to match your story, right? Um, it's just mm-hmm. to listen and really be there for them. And uh, um, that's the best thing you can, can do because time and time again, um, you know, I, I will get, I will say certain I would say similar to you. I would say something, right? And someone else would say it and they'd be like, this is the best idea ever. I'm like, hold on, I just said that, right? (laughs) Or, you know, or I've been on part of it. I would get all the credit and I'm like, 
the other lady on the team did all the work. You know what I'm saying? I just came mm-hmm. in and cleaned it up, made it look nice. So me being me, I'm like, well, you know, Valerie did all the work. I just helped out. You know, I'm glad to be a part of the team. Mm-hmm. But Valerie, would you want to say something? Because I think you're the person supposed to have this mic, right? You know, it's okay of repositioning where the light's supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. And it's also okay not to do anything if the other person doesn't want you to either, right? And don't right, be upset right. when your help isn't needed, right? Because sometimes you don't want to be helped, right? You know, I realize sometimes you just the best thing to do is not to make it a big deal because the person's not comfortable with it, right? So um, mm-hmm, I'm glad exactly. that you share that. So um, I don't like to end this call because I felt like we we talking on a lot <laughs> of deep topics. We're being so transparent. Uh, we're being vulnerable. Um, and I think you just some great synergy here, but we, we got to end it. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. before we do, how can the audience reach you? Yeah, well, one way is to go to our, my web or company website, webtech360.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Valerie Osinski is my name on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest. Um, I can be contacted through our website or, of course, through LinkedIn. And if you just, in your LinkedIn Connect request, if you just say, you heard me on this, I'll accept it, and we can start a conversation. That's awesome. Well, until next time, Sly Gittins and Valerie are out. Peace.